Welcome to the Dollars and Hops podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Hey, we're excited you're here with us. My name is Lance. I am your host. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined here with my co-host, Scott. What's going on? My fellow buzz-headed brother up in Maryland. How you doing, man? How are you? I'm doing well, Lance. The weather's getting nicer. I um, was actually able to go out on the deck yesterday, do a little bit of work. I know in wow. South Carolina, it's always nice and you don't have to worry about it's these been things. It's chilly but, here, man. You know, I had, the, I had the snowblower out just a few weeks ago. So now having, <laughs> having to, you know, being able to go outside and, 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 and enjoy the weather is, is, is a nice, uh, is a nice thing. No doubt. We're excited that spring is almost here. We have had a cold spell here in South Carolina. So I'm uh, in Charleston. I'm excited to get beyond that and get this warm weather cranking. Um, Hey, we've got an awesome episode lined up for all of our listeners this week. And we're really excited to dive into the topic of NFTs, the craze that is NFTs, non-fungible tokens, cryptocurrency related but not really, but kind of. We're going to get all into it. It's very confusing stuff, fun to dig into. And we've even had some of our own experiments with NFTs. We're going to um, unveil to you guys, our listeners, and share that with you with y'all. But before we do, Scott, what do we got going on right now? Yeah, so uh, for those of you that do not know, Lance and I will sip on a craft brew each and every uh, podcast. And at the end, we will put them head to head and declare a winner. Uh, today I will be um, sipping on a Maui Brewing Company beer. Lance, you'll be shocked. This is a Citra IPA. It's called the Big <laughs> Swell IPA, and I'm excited to dig into it. What are you uh, drinking tonight? Very nice. I'm working with a another gifted beer here from the very generous Katie Alter. Katie, thanks for this one. She dropped off a ton uh, for us here on the Dollars and Hops podcast when she was last visiting. Uh, this is another one from Monday Night Brewing out of Atlanta, Georgia. This one is aptly called Benevolent Overlord, which is an awesome title for a beer. It is a coffee hazelnut imperial stout, and it looks intimidating. So I'm uh, pretty excited to dig in, also a little nervous. So Back to the motor oil, Lance? Yeah, another motor oil, no doubt. Um, we're going to see how this one rolls, but uh, I'm excited about it. <laughs> I love coffee. Right, well, I love hazelnut, man. I don't know. And I love craft beer. So it's yeah, it's teeing up well. Sounds like a match made in heaven to me. <laughs> That's right. All right, Lance, let's go ahead and hop into the headline of the week. This one's coming from CNBC. The headline is Americans paid off a record $83 billion in credit card debt in 2020. Um, and, and this is really due to COVID. Uh, consumers paid down more debt than they have in decades. That's awesome. And this was the second time in 35 years, 2020, where Americans ended the year with less debt than they started with. And this was the first time since 2009, in the midst of the Great Recession, that that actually happened. So the average household credit card balance fell to $8,089 at the end of last year, which I guess is good. Lance says it's nice. I, you know, it still seems very high to me, but 
it's good that it fell because I'm a little confused though. So if this is a balance though, could that be considered like including the 40% of people who are paying it off every month? You know, I don't, I don't think that's how they look at it. Or, or is, or is this like a balance like that's carried month I think over it's, month and just carried? I think it's the carried okay, balance. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and uh, obviously, then that's yeah, not so good. Yeah. And there's, bad. I mean, everybody's kind of expecting a surge in spending with the COVID restrictions kind of coming off. So, right. Obviously, if you're if you're in the camp where you either paid off your debt or you've paid down your debt significantly, your credit card debt. Um, don't go backwards when the restrictions start to come off. I mean, uh, try try to think of this as, as as starting fresh and either continuing down the path of paying down debt or keeping the debt that you eliminated um, completely out of your life. So, uh, I thought this was an interesting article. I think that a lot of people might be on more solid financial footing, especially if you kept your job during COVID or you didn't have uh, you know big loss in income. Uh, during COVID, you might right. be in a much better financial picture. So um, try to stay there. Lance, let's go ahead and jump on into the main topic here. We're talking about NFTs. NF what? NFTs. A, NFTs. Lot, of, a, lot, of, a lot of listeners probably have not heard of NFTs. And honestly, I didn't know what an NFT was until just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And um, we've been on quite the journey with some NFTs here recently, haven't we? We've we've dabbled with we've some dabbled NFTs, and we'll, we'll we'll get it's into that. Fun. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think first first and foremost, let's let's talk about what an NFT is. So NFT stands for non fungible token. That's a mouthful. This it's basically a special type of cryptographic token which represents something specific and unique. It's it's done off of the blockchain technologies, and NFTs designate an official copy of digital media which can be sold by artists, musicians, or sports ent- entities to make money on content. Um, and I think that that's like I, you know I, you probably just heard me say that, and you're probably like, "What is he talking about?" Uh, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, what? Uh, what? So we're talking about something specific and unique that is also digital okay so we could be talking right. i mean there's 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 a lot of different uh, examples of this um the but i mean if if we take the digital part out right and we just kind of look at okay what's specific and unique just in everyday life think about it like your house your house is specific it's unique because, you know, it's probably not the same as everyone else's. And even if it is similar or close to the same as someone else's. It has a unique address. It has a very unique address. It has a very unique location. Same mm-hmm. thing with a painting. You might get a painting. Yeah. There's no two paintings that are alike if they're all, you know, they're done by hand, right? That's something right, that's right. very specific, unique. A trademark, same sort of thing. It's specific, it's unique. So if we apply it to the digital world... Mm-hmm. We're talking about things that are things like um, art, but just in a digital format. You right. could talk about trading cards that are serial serialized. Yep. That is a that that's something that's specific, unique. There's a collectible. It's a collectible. Yeah, exactly. So there, this is a this is kind of like all the rage right now. 
uh, NFTs, it's the value of some of these NFTs have, have gone absolutely bonkers crazy out of this world. And I think people are trying to figure out how they fit into the marketplace. And there's yeah. a lot of speculation going on, uh, obviously, yeah. with that. Yeah, uh, tons of speculation going on. So let's just let's zoom out back up for just one hot second, because I think fungible is a word that probably most of us don't use in our everyday language. And even in prepping for this episode, we wanted to make sure we had a good definition for fungible. It just means fungible in itself means like for like or mutually interchangeable, um, dollar for dollar, right? So think non-fungible token, NFT, non-fungible would mean that it's not like for like. It is completely unique, as Scott's saying. It is a digital asset that is either serialized or numbered or limited in capacity or limited in um, how many of these have been made digitally. Um, and it has a specific serial uh, to that token or a specific number assigned to it that is unique. It is non-fungible. And so it could be traded for money, but it's not money in of itself, if that makes sense. It's not meant to be a currency in of itself. It represents art or it represents um, – think in, in Scott's example of a painting, think about – I'm making this up. But if you had a, a, a beautiful painting that was divided up into 50,000 NFTs, T tokens, NFTs, then they could be sold off and people could own certain amounts of them and have ownership in that particular piece of art. Is that fair, Scott? It is fair. And Lance, you and I over the past couple of weeks may or may not have, but we did. We've we've speculated in this NFT market, haven't we? We put a, I think it was a whopping, uh, what was it, $9, $14, something like that into a uh, NBA Top Shot, NBA Top NBA Shot, NBA Top Shot, which is probably so the most the most mainstream of the NFT crazes right now. At the moment that we're recording this episode, I would say it's probably the most mainstream NFT craze that is going on right now. And um, Scott, I'm gonna let you do the honors. Could you explain to our listening audience what NBA? the National Basketball Association, what NBA Top Shot is. Yeah, so first off, I as a, as a young boy, I, I used to collect sports cards. It was it was like one of my favorite things in the world to do. I think Lance and I, we, we, we probably Same did here. that a little bit, you know, t- together and trading cards and all that. It was core, it was core to our friendship, to the initial it, it budding was. of our relationship that is still going on to yeah. this day. Where would we be I, without sports sh- cards? So, um, so... <laughs> This, I, 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 I think about this just as I think about sports cards. It's just a digital version. So, right. and, and, and really the difference is um, instead of it being a cardboard card, it's something that you view online. It's a, it's a short video. They call it a moment. Um, and you, and there's a, only a certain number of them that they release through packs, just like you would have packs of cards. Um and they sell the packs for as low as $9. And there are hundreds of thousands of people that line up to get these packs. And you almost have to get lucky to get a pack because the value of what's in the pack currently is, 
usually 10, 20 times what you're paying for the pack. So if you're lucky enough to get the pack, um, you're usually in a situation where you could sell what the contents for uh, a, a nice substantial profit. So uh, Lance and I have. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's great. And I'm going to pick it up and take it a step further. What's interesting about NBA Top Shot is that not only have they created these really it really is genius. Um, these collectibles that are all digital and that instead of a card of just a picture of your favorite player, like a Kobe Bryant rookie card, you now have a moment that is a video highlight of this player that's serialized that has a specific look and feel that's part of a collection of a set. And they've developed a marketplace that they completely own, that they're able to trade people anywhere in the world are able to trade these moments for real money. So it actually is like a stock market where the values are constantly changing. They're going up and they're going down based on the demand and the supply of what's available, what's listed for sale by whoever owns all of these moments. And maybe they want to take a certain percentage. Maybe they have a lot of moments or just little moments. They want to take a few or a lot and put them all up for sale at whatever price they want within the range that's allowed. And guess what? NBA Top Shot takes a 5% cut of every single sale. It is a brilliant business model for the NBA. And the fact that they've been able to kind of generate enough buzz to get demand rolling. I mean, it's really, really cool stuff from a sports fandom standpoint and from a collectible standpoint. And if you like stocks in the stock market, that has an interesting appeal to it. Also think about investing maybe like low dollars into as a collectible, as a fan, into like a no-name player who you think is on, on a trajectory to be good one day uh, and then like waiting a couple of years, maybe he becomes an all-star one day and now he's worth a lot more. Like there's always been speculation about, man, how could there be a stock market for athletes or in the sports world? This is the closest thing I've seen to it that takes into account like sports fandom, collectability, sports cards, nostalgia, right? And yeah. and putting it into like, like hyperdrive it with social media because they're all in Twitter and a marketplace that's fully active and liquid essentially with real money. And what's the blockchain piece of this, Scott, that brings it back to cryptocurrency? How does that work? Yeah. So the blockchain, so all transactions are being verified on the blockchain. So uh, the blockchain, for those of you that don't know, is basically a series of interconnected computers that is basically keeping a ledger. Uh, which basically verifies who owns what and what has sold for what. Um, it's a way to make sure that there's no um, there's no funny business going on. There's there's multiple uh, different no fraud. Yeah, there's exactly no no, no fraud, yep. no no funny business going on. And there's 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 this ledger that's being held by basically hundreds of computers, and that's that's essentially the the crypto aspect of it, but it's really just, it's, it's just running on the technology that cryptocurrency uses to verify their transactions. So I think right. we'll start to see more and more of this. Like when we talked about Bitcoin, we talked about the underlying technology, that blockchain technology and how yep. there's real utility in that. And this is, this sure. is a byproduct of that technology. Exactly. And, you know, it's like, a lot of people are thinking like, oh, this is crypto. Well, it's it's different. It, it's it's running it on it's running on blockchain technology, but we're really talking about a collectibles market and a new type of collectibles market that we've never seen exactly. before. 
That's right. And, and I think it's, I actually do think it's revolutionary and I don't want to overhype it here on our podcast, but it's so early. It's still in beta mode. We've been fortunate enough to get in. I think if you wanted to create an account for free, you can do so. Um, the reason people are lining up for packs like that is because I think Scott said this, but I want to reiterate it. There's a limited number of packs that are dropped on specific dates. So think about like, okay, if they're going to say, Hey, we're going to announce, we're going to release, I'm going to make this up 10,000 packs but 200,000 people line up, which is a real number what happened recently. Well, that's only 5% of people right. who line up, flip a coin, are going to get the chance to purchase a pack. So then you can go to the marketplace and anybody can buy a, a collectible on moment on that marketplace. I just think this whole idea, I want to broaden our perspective because here's something I heard on a podcast leading up to today and I was prepping for this, is that in five to 10 years, the folks who are experts in NFTs, which is not Scott and I, right? We're noobs. We're learning every single day. And we're kind of amazed by all this. And I'm, I'm like, man, there's a lot of uh, potential here in lots of different markets. We're going to talk about some of the other markets, not just sports collectibles, memorabilia. <clears throat> but um, uh, in five to 10 years, we won't even call them NFTs. Hmm. It'll just be the way things get done. And in the background, there will be blockchain technology that'll be kind of invisible to the user, invisible to the to the kind of average person who's dealing with the website. Because even if you go on NBA Top Shot right now, you may not really know what's going on behind the scenes. It still looks like you're you're buying something for US dollars, you're selling something for US dollars, and it's just all on the website. But the truth is it's all operating on this blockchain technology, which makes it unique. And it's nothing like this has ever been done before. This is a first. And so they're figuring it out, working out kinks constantly, which has made the experience a little bit more painful. They're working through some kinks. We're excited about what's to come. But um, I just think that I thought that was an interesting quote that I heard on an NFT podcast recently was like in five to 10 years, this will be the way that things get bought and sold uh, tickets art, albums, music, movies, collectibles, you name it. It could be the future of how we kind of do transactions online for that type of products or that type of art. Yeah, that that is interesting, Lance. And, and I, so I, I, was, I was listening to a podcast. We've been nerding out on this stuff, obviously, but I was listening to a podcast and uh, one, somebody brought up the fact that like Mark Cuban – was he was talking about how NFTs are really going to revolutionize the way the way sporting ticket sporting event tickets are sold right and how right. like basically you know the you know the Mavericks you know they sell a ticket to a season ticket holder that season ticket holder might sell it to you know Joe down the street and then Joe might sell it to Sally and Sally might sell it to Tim and there might be four or five or six transactions and and you know that 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 uh the Dallas Mavericks made revenue one time so with an nft they have a way to track all of those transactions and get their cut out of it so every single time it's resold and the, and the, on the blockchain exactly and it's all <clears throat> going to be verified on the blockchain so you're going to so for for the for so the consumer safe. There, there is some protection in there because you know that the ticket that you're actually getting is legitimate. It's a real ticket. 
Um, and for delivery will happen. The transaction happens. Exactly. And for obviously the Mavericks, you know, they're making money on each of these transactions, each of these secondary transactions. And, you know, you just take a lot of the a lot of the speculation or or a lot of the fraud out of it. And I feel like that's that's the future that we're heading in. And and like Lance said, like yeah. we might not really realize it's an NFT, but it's going to be an NFT. So that's it, right. It's, a, a key comp- that's real well said. A key component of NFTs and why I learn about them in all types of markets is the scarcity or the rarity component, where there's only so many that are minted is the the word, the language that's used with NFTs. It's minted. Like money gets minted, these NBA Top Shot moments get minted, or these NFTs for particular tickets get minted, or other types of, uh, you know, what are some other examples? Scott, this is a good segue. What are some other examples of NFTs that we've kind of learned about um, that are happening right now, really, in in our world? If you can, You can't make this up. Yeah. So <laughs> some of this stuff, <laughs> like we've talked about some of the things that we, I, I, I guess, you know, the values in the eye of the beholder here, but one, one, one such example is, is something called crypto punks. <laughs> this is a collection of 10,000 unique characters in a digital format. I think they're 32 bits. So they look awful. They're very pixelated characters. It looks like something off of, uh, an Atari yeah. screen. Yeah, exactly. I, I would I, heavily, heavily pixelated, a few different colors, and uh, little characters. So just Google CryptoPunk and you'll see what we're talking about. And right. And each of them is, you know, there's proof of ownership through the Ethereum blockchain. No two are exactly alike. You know, they're 32 bit. These NFTs, these CryptoPunk NFTs, are literally selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars right now you, you you can go type in crypto uh punks and you can see that these digital pictures owning and anybody can pull up the picture by the way are selling for tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars it's like it. it's wild and so this market's yeah. like obviously crazy right now but this yeah. stuff's out there jack dorsey recently came out and he said he's going to sell his original tweet on facebook jack dorsey uh ceo of twitter of twitter yes he's gonna sell his first ever tweet as an nft the high bid right now well the last i looked it was two and a half million dollars to own jack dorsey's tweet as an nft um so so as an nft like there's one of one or there's one or like it's one of one one of one okay because like that that is an interesting component of like he could make an nft he could say I'm going to make 10 NFTs, serial one through 10 of, of this tweet. And he could sell 10 of them um, and then say, we're not going to make any more. But he's saying one of one, which gives it the scarcity component, the rarity. Right. And somebody, some Yahoo is going to say, I have two and a half million dollars. I don't know what to do with it. I'll buy Jack Dorsey's <laughs> first tweet as an NFT because that's just completely insane. So some of these applications don't make as much sense to me personally. I'll just give you my opinion. But I agree. Others, others to me have very real market implications today and more so in the future as we go more towards this direction. Yeah, I really think the collectibles market is kind of where we're going to yep. see this. And I also see like the venue tickets and, and that sort of thing is going to is going to yep. make a whole lot of sense. Um, Nike's getting into it with some crypto kicks. They're selling, you know, the digital version of their shoes. 
Uh, so a lot of the this NBA is- Top Shot reminds me of shoe drops. Does anybody know about like the goat shoe drops, that kind of thing? I don't know if you know about that, Scott. No. Uh, so it's a whole culture around like um, sneaker drops. Dude, I'm telling you, I think NBA Top Shot took some of that idea, like to their credit, <laughs> they took some of those ideas that worked and and injected that into their their whole kind of how are we going to build this thing. People line up, they get a chance to buy a pair of shoes, but there's only 5,000 pairs of shoes, 20,000 people line up. There's rarity there. The people who get them, buy them, and then they maybe hold them or collect them, or they resell them on eBay, right? Because mm. there wasn't a, a, a centralized market that was safe and policed essentially for the shoes. But anyway, we can nerd about nerd out about this stuff all day long. So if you've made it this far, um, congratulations. Hopefully you're a little smarter on NFTs. Um, but thanks for hanging with us as we nerd out and, and enjoy <laughs> thinking about how this could change our future. So I, I, we've talked a lot about NFTs, what they are. And it, I, I have a feeling people are like, okay, this is, this is a personal finance podcast, right? Like get back to personal. Like, how does how does this impact my wallet? Like seriously, is this an investment? Like what 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 what, what are you telling me yeah. here? Right. So good question. Yeah. So it's it's complicated, for sure. But I I do think that there's there's you know there's there's a case for the long term. There's a case for the short term, um, and at least from a short term perspective, as it relates to Top Shot, Lance. Let's talk about Top Shot. <laughs> let's talk about Top Shot. So right now, there's some crazy stuff going on with Top Shot. But like I said, insane, insane stuff going on with Top you Shot. You got, I can open a. What did I buy? I bought a pack for like fourteen dollars last week. Okay, and I got three moments, and you know, one of them was one out of ten thousand. Guy I never heard of on the Indiana Pacers. No clue who he is. I'm not a big NBA guy, but you know, figured I'd dabble in the nft market sold them for a hundred and thirty dollars yeah uh my common cards my my other two my other two moments were were worth i think over fourteen dollars so you know made 10x on my money doing nba top shot so from a from a short-term perspective some of this stuff is going to regulate itself right so it it won't last yeah Yeah, it just there's no like eventually the nba is going to look at this and they're gonna be like we got to increase supply because which is what they're doing they're releasing packs constantly right so they got to increase supply Weekly. to to meet demand yeah. so that when you open a pack you're not getting 10x 20x 30x on your on, on your on your investment but it is sort of a lottery in getting one so i guess from a short term perspective what i you know what you know, i've just been playing around with this stuff but what do we know yeah, yeah you know I, I like making money so you know why not Let, let's let's do it until until the uh until the the well runs dry here, but from a long term perspective, Lance, I mean, what do you think? Like, I I feel like these are collectibles. I do think I, I do think it has value long term, and I think I think it's what you said earlier. Value is in the eye of the beholder. So anything, the only reason anything has value that's not currency or money itself is well, even including money itself is only because somebody else is giving it value who's willing to purchase it at that price. That's what creates a marketplace, right? Right. So. I think in terms of collectibles, it's it's really always been this way. Think about baseball cards. Think yep. about a, um, um, you know, we're from Maryland, so a Cal Ripken Jr. All right, rookie card. All right, Let, hey, yeah, that would have some serious worth, right? But why would it have serious worth? 
only because somebody else is willing to pay big time dollars, whatever it's worth today, I don't know. Um, but they would be willing to pay that money because they see value in that asset, right? Which is a, which is a tiny card with a picture of Cal Ripken Jr. on it. It's it's you know, truthfully, it's really worthless in actuality. Can it do anything for me? No, no. it's a cardboard card. But because it's part of a set, there's only so many made. Cal Ripken Jr. was an amazing baseball player who has broken all kinds of records, the consecutive game starter record, the Iron Man himself. That has value, right? You see where we're getting at? So it, it I think in the terms of collectibles, yes, I think long-term and NBA top shot is setting the bar. And I think MLB, NHL, NFL, I think will follow for you sports fans who are listening. I think we can all expect to see their version of NBA Top Shot come out because it's just so much money that's involved in this and they've really figured out the special sauce on how to make this work, how to create the right buzz. And we'll see if theirs will be successful, but I can guarantee you they will try. They should. But I think as long as you have like players like LeBron James and Steph Curry in the NBA, who are just beloved players, who are legendary players, people want to collect the rare um, and have a sense of ownership with these iconic all-time greats, right, in the NBA. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. So I, I think it's a creative way to create a collectible market um, utilizing a new technology, NFTs. I, I, I agree. And, and I think this is where we leave it. It's, at the end of the day, and we've said this many times, it's a collectible. It's a collectible. It's not an investment. Doesn't produce anything. Yeah, it could. It could make you money, right? But it's not an invest. It's not an investment in the traditional sense. So um, I think just keep that in mind. Like I, I, we're going to be seeing more and more about NFTs uh, in the news. You're going to see it more applications of NFTs. But from a collectible standpoint. That, that's exactly what it is. Like it, when we're talking about these serialized moments that you can own, um, they're just that. They're just they're, they're collectibles. They should be a extremely small part of your overall uh, financial there picture. That's right. Uh, you don't want to change your investment mix to to no, all no, NFTs no. because it's really not an investment. It's it's really it's more speculation, especially at this point in in kind of their infancy. Um, because I hadn't even heard of it, you know, just just a few weeks ago. So um, stick with the the long term goals. But um, figured it. you know yeah. figured we definitely need to cover this because I think that there are people out there that are saying, Hey, this is a great investment. And I, let me go ahead and throw my whole nest egg into NBA top shot. Let's go ahead and just quell that right now. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. we, that that's what Scott's saying. And he's absolutely right. It is a speculative collectible. If you enjoy sports, if you like basketball and you like the idea of nostalgic collectible trading cards, sports cards, then yeah, maybe 10 bucks, 20 bucks is it might be fun for you to do so. But by no means is this a part of our investment strategy or our investment plan long term in the future. Perfect. All right, Lance, let's move on to questions that need answers. If you're listening out there and you have a question, please send us an email to questions at dollarsandhops.com. We would love to tackle it on a future episode. Again, it's questions at dollarsandhops.com. This first one comes in from Erica. Um, 
this one says, I'm a parent of two teenagers and I've maxed out this year's 529 contributions, $2,000 each. And I recently paid off some debt and can now put more money away for their upcoming tuitions. Where do you recommend I put another several thousand dollars that would earn more interest than a savings account? I work in a public school, so I have a pension and a 403B. I've come to believe that fees for 403Bs are high, 1.9%, and plan to open a Roth IRA. Since my children will be listed as benefactors for the IRA and money can be withdrawn for education without penalty, would this be a good place to put my money for them? I believe the max for an IRA is $7,000 since I'm over 50 and I can contribute um, I can contribute towards 2020 before April 15th. Lance, what do you think on that one? There is a ton here, Erica. Uh, I'm excited to dive in this for you. First of all, welcome to the Dollars and Hops family, to the podcast. We are so excited to have you and so appreciate you writing in uh, this question and another one as well. I think we have coming up from you as well. So thank you so much. We're excited to have you. And yes, that's awesome. You have a pension and a 403B. Thank you for serving in our public school system. That's awesome. We need more great um, staff members like you um, who are thinking about their personal finances and their future. I would agree with you. Um, extremely high fees in the 403B, and I love where you're going with it, Roth IRA. Perfect. It's like you've been listening to our podcast. This is awesome. So yeah, we would want you to go into the Roth IRA for your retirement. You are correct. The $7,000 limit because you're 50 years old is correct per year, and you're correct again by you're able to backdate those contributions um, for tax year 2020 as long as they're made before April 15th and you designate them for tax year 2020. That shouldn't be a problem up to $7,000. So where I'd like to kind of uh, maybe redirect uh, what you were thinking is back to the 529s for your teenagers. Um, there actually is not really a limit to the 529s um, for investment capacity. Uh, it is going to depend on your state and which 529 you're investing in. So definitely do some Googling, do some researching on your particular 529 plan, where you're investing and uh, what the limit actually is. But what you're going to find is that the annual limit on what you can put in for a 529 for each of your children is going to be so high. It's a lot more than $2,000 per year. So by no means have you hit that limit. And we would say, that if you are indeed intending this money for their education, for their secondary education, go ahead and throw it into the 529 and stack it up in there. You're going to get tax-free growth there, and you're going to be able to spend it tax-free for each of your children for their secondary education. And while you're at it, I would still try to go after that Roth IRA because it's just for your retirement, tax-free growth uh, forever. And if there's anything left over, it goes to your heirs as well. And there's some benefits even when they would receive it on how and when they would need to spend it um, over the course of, I think, 10 years, they would have to kind of pull it out. Um, but there's there's a lot of good stuff here that you're doing. And we are proud of you um, for you know taking control of your finances and thinking strategically about where can you get some tax efficiencies. And so, yeah, go back to the 529. It's a great vehicle for uh, investing for educational expenses. And um, I think you're going to find that you can get a whole lot more out of that. 
Yeah, and I think Lance, I think that 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 the two thousand dollars that she mentioned as being maxed out, that might have been confused with the tax, the the amount of tax that you can write off when you contribute to uh-huh. an a uh, five twenty nine. Because I know, like in Maryland, I think you can contribute twenty five hundred dollars and get a tax deduction for doing so. But you Probably can, so, yeah. but you can contribute, you know, ten thousand dollars if you want to. You can just only write off twenty five hundred. Uh, for tax purposes, so that that that's just you know one thing to consider. Obviously, you can can you can continue to stack up the money in the five twenty nine. And we would definitely recommend you do so, even if you can't get that write off, even if you've maxed out the write off. Go ahead and keep stacking up in the five twenty nine. If the intention for those dollars is in fact for your children's secondary education, certainly cool. So Erica gave us a second question as well. Um, here it is. My son just turned eighteen. And I want him to stash about $1,000 annually from his summer job for when he graduates from college, hopefully in four years. I'm hoping he can add at least $1,000 a summer to this sum so he has some sort of startup money for when he starts his post-grad life. Where's a good place for this money? A savings bond? An index fund? I've been enjoying your podcast and find them very informative. You explain things so well. Finances seem less intimidating. Scott. Awesome. Thank you for the question, Erica. Uh, we appreciate it. So we're talking, this is short-term money. So if we're talking about, you know, he's going to need it probably in four years or less. Um, so really, usually we say if you're investing for like seven or more years, that's when you can start buying index funds, ETFs, that sort of thing. For four years, I think it's it's just a little bit too it's a little bit too speculative. I mean, it's hard to say what the market's going to do over the over the next few years. We like to be long-term investors, not short-term investors. So, I mean, you just think about the stock market can have, you know, a 50% fluctuation uh really in just a, a few a few short months. So, I think it would be um I think it would be more prudent really to put the money really just in like an online savings account, maybe something like Ally Bank, yeah. Capital One 360, something like that. It's not, it's it's nothing special. You're not going to make a whole ton of money on it. But for a four-year time horizon and really a three-year time horizon and a two-year time horizon, I mean, as he's adding this, adding this money up, I really think an online um, savings account is the way to go and get it out of his checking account as he's, you know, saving the money, getting it into an online account. That's not, you know, where he, where it's at his fingertips. I think that that's probably the, the best option for him. I completely agree. And something you said, Erica makes me think, what's the goal of this money? You said the goal is that he says some sort of startup money for when he starts his post-grad life. To me, that's kind of like an emergency fund. And so, I'm thinking about protecting that money instead of growing that money. And if it's just $4,000 anyway, what are we really talking about? We're talking about a few hundred bucks. If the market crushes it, maybe $1,000. And if not, then it could go down in half, right? So in my mind, for that short time frame, I agree with completely with Scott. Put it in a savings account. Don't think twice about it. It'll be there. It'll grow very little bit, but it'll be there when he needs it. Perfect. All right, Lance, let's go ahead and get into the hops showdown portion of the podcast. Lance, you want to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, man. Um, This uh, motor oil, I mean, the benevolent overlord. It is good. (laughs) Dude, it's good. Um, It is intense. I, I, uh, what's the ABV on that one? It's over 12, man. I'm feeling it over here. It's, uh, 
Uh, I'm also getting over this cold, so you can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, it it uh, it definitely had some. I didn't taste as much hazelnut as I would have liked, but um, I got a little bit of the coffee, and um, I got a lot of the imperial stout nature of it, which means I could taste the um, the alcohol. It's pretty. It's almost like a like a wine type of a consistency uh, that, that had some carbonation to it. But it, it uh, to me it was. It was probably a little strong for my for my liking, um, for just sipping on a on a random night. But um, I did like the flavor. Would have loved a little more coffee and a little more hazelnut flavor. Um, I'm gonna give this one an 86. All right, Lance. And again, I was drinking the Big Swell IPA from Maui Brewing Company. This was a Citra IPA. It pours a, a nice copper color, lots of tropical flavors, as expected. Pineapple, mango, very well balanced. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it an 88, and I'm going to take this hops showdown. Very nice. All right, and before we get out of here, I'm going to leave you with our action step. In 2021... The financial world has been filled with speculative investments. We're talking about GameStop, AMC, Bitcoin, Dogecoin. We've been bringing them to you every single week. (laughs) It's insane. And now we're talking about NFTs. Be careful out there. Stick to your guns with a long-term investment portfolio that's filled with low-cost mutual funds and ETFs. Boom. NFTs are really just a collectible. If you want to own NFTs, just be smart about what you're buying and how much of your overall portfolio it makes up. Put it in your monthly budget, right? You know, hey, budget for it. If you want to be a collectible on some NFTs, go for it. (laughs) Put it in the budget. I love it. This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on less than you make and invest the difference. Dollars and hops out. You have been listening to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Optimizing your financial future starts with taking action today. Got a question? Shoot us an email at questions at dollarsandhops.com and the guys will tackle it on a future episode. Visit our website, dollarsandhops.com for show notes and the craft brew lineup for each episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.